Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. And cool. Well, uh, I'm going to be continuing our Extra Mile series that we kicked off last week. Uh, Chaz and, and Pastor Kevin were, were preaching last week and, and really explored uh, this idea of going the extra mile. And uh, they, they, they drew from Scripture and uh, showed how there was like there, there's this banner that, that we come under. There's a banner that sort of uh, sits over the church and there are seven values that underpin it. And there's this great symmetry in the fact that we have seven weeks, or starting from last week, we had seven weeks leading up to Pentecost. And, you know, you can believe in coincidences, but I also believe more more strongly in the will of God. And, and just they've seen something so sort of perfectly matched up, so perfectly symmetrical that it can only be God. Uh, and so we're going to continue. Every week we're going to go through these values that underpin this banner uh, just to understand and to explore. Just we, The last series we did on our 360 was, was learning how we are ministers, understanding, really accepting our role as we are ministers in the, in the house and the kingdom of God. And, and this series is so much more about how do we advance that? How do we weaponize that? How do we take that and bring it to the world? How do we make that more about just sort of of, uh, uh, something that we maintain and retain in here, but, but one that can be used to really testify to God in the world outside. And so I, I'm going to be speaking on wisdom today. Wisdom is one of my favorite topics. Uh, wisdom, wisdom is from God. Let's, 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 we're going to probably put out a few sort of basics here that wisdom is from God. You know, you can gain all sorts of knowledge and, and understanding from all sorts of natural means. And that is a, that's great. That's that, the, the, there's, there's, there's no sort of problem with that, but, but wisdom is from God. Wisdom comes from God. Revelation comes from God. He is yeah. the, uh, he is the originator of wisdom. And yet it's not, it's, 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 it's originated from him, but it is conveyed to us. Yeah. It is conveyed to us. It's received by us. Uh, it, it, wisdom stands in the face of convention. In, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God, the message of the cross, the wisdom of the cross. It's, it's, it's foolishness. It stands in the face of convention. It makes no sense to common sense. But, but it is higher than that because it originates from God. And, and we sometimes look at the world and we just feel as if there's like a, a scarcity of wisdom. But the, the thing is, wisdom is not something that, that God shields from us. Mm. It's just one that is underutilized by us. It's one that, that isn't taken of advantage of. Because the power of wisdom avails itself through brave Choices, brave choices, take wisdom and make it applicable. If we read in uh, Romans 12, uh, starting in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You see, we are, we have, every day there is the opportunities for for bold decisions. Every day there is circumstances reveal themselves that, that give us the opportunity 
Give us that, that, that opening to make brave choices, to make bold decisions. The opportunity to, to go into someone's life and, and to just, what, what it said there is to prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have, we have the opportunity to prove that. That is our calling. That is the brave choices. To go forth, to, 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 to minister hope into someone's life. To prove the good and acceptable Perfect will of God to lay hands upon someone, mm. to see healing ministered yes. that the, would prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To, to share the testimonies of our lives, the, the magnificence of what God has done in our lives and through our lives. What for? To prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. These are the opportunities. This is how life unfolds. These are the brave choices. The opportunities to influence and to challenge the people around us. To go that extra mile. That is the extra mile to go out on a limb for another person. To prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But so often we pass up those opportunities. If we're really honest, we definitely take those opportunities, but we often will pass them. We will pass by them for the ordinary path. The ordinary path, because the brave choice can be forsaken for the comfortable path. To maintain the status quo. To, because no, no more than expected. No more than expected. How many times in life is it just, we just do no more than is expected? But life is full of checks and balances. Every action or inaction has a receipt. We yield a receipt from it. And, and, and in those moments of no more is expected, that we act on no more than is expected, there is a dissatisfaction that rises up. You know what I mean, that dissatisfaction on the inside, that dissatisfaction in our conscience, in our spirit, that that just knows that that brave choice, that junction that was passed by, that is our calling. That is our calling. We are called to make brave choices. I I remember when I was uh, young, when I was a teenager, I went to, for a few years in a row, the church that I went to, we had a a big youth and young adults group, and we would go down with with loads of people from the church. We'd drive all the way down to Coventry, we'd get big minibuses and cars, and we'd all just make our way down there, and it was just a sort of mishmash convoy, getting down to Coventry at this place called Stoney Bible Week. And at Stoney Bible Week, we have this massive campsite, and it was just filled with Christians. And we'd have this massive sort of summer conference, and they would hold, I think it was actually like this sort of market trading center, but, but it was cleared out, and we would have uh, these, these massive meetings in, in these cow sheds, basically, these enormous cow sheds. And they'd have one for sort of all the adults, and then another one for sort of youth and young adults, and it was outstanding. You know, they would have big, the big bands of the day, like uh, Delirious, and all those guys would come and, and minister all throughout the week, and you left I remember leaving as this sort of this young man this teenage boy just being like so revved up so amped up just feeling like the world was at my uh, just my oyster that I could go forth and I was ministering I was so pumped 
to evangelize my friends. I remember driving back all the way and just thinking about it and getting out the car at my parents' house and running around at my friend's house straight away just to, just to speak to them, just to see him because I hadn't seen him for a week. And of course, that was an eternity. Uh, and, and then go in. And I, I remember going in his front door. I remember it vividly. Opening up, going into his living room. And there was like literally every single one of my friends sitting in the living room. It's like, whoa, this is intense. And then the next thing they go, oh, we hear you've been at a Bible week. Already I'm thinking this is not how I intended this to go. (laughs) They're like, are you going to get us saved? Are we all going to hell? And I'm already like, oh, no, I'm on the back foot already. I, I, I recognize this was, not, this was not how I planned it out in my head. The 15-hour car drive had gone completely differently from this. And, and there I am standing in front of all of my friends who know me, know my name, know my middle name even. And, and I just, I just skunk, slunked, just shrunk back. I shrunk back and just took my seat. I didn't put it any further. didn't push it any further. I, I shrank from the brave decision. The brave decision just seemed too much, and I, I shrank back from it. And what I found with brave choices, bold decisions, is you don't often get a run-up. <laughs> you don't get much advanced warning. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you spend the whole weekend thinking about what you're going to have to say on Monday. But, but often, it's suddenly comes out of nowhere, and it has to be like a reflex. (laughs) The brave choice has to be a reflex. It has to be on the inside. You can't pretend it, because it happens too quickly. Mm. So often we don't get a second shot at it. Grace is our second shot, but brave choices don't often have that luxury. Mm. We don't get a second choice, a second chance. And so my question is, what is the key to brave choices? Where do we find the place where we can be brave? Where we can make those choices and we can make that wisdom count in our lives and the lives around us. So one thing is, I think conventionally we would all sort of think that if we believe something, if you believe something strongly, then when the time comes and the corresponding decision is required, then we will make it. That our brave decisions, our brave choices, are related to the strength of our belief. But social sciences and psychologies and research in this has shown that, that actually belief systems aren't the primary motivator when making decisions. The primary motivator is a thing called thresholds. Thresholds, uh, it, to put it in other ways, is uh, our willingness to cross the threshold of social acceptance. Threshold is social acceptance and how willing we are in a moment to, to contravene that, to, to infringe upon that, to step over the threshold of social acceptance. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, a number of years ago now, uh, Pastor Kevin and Cheryl invited Laura and I to travel with them to Iceland to minister. And uh, it was tremendous. It was great. We went along and we, we never really spent any time like that before with them. And we went and uh, we ministered in this uh, INC church there. And we had to fly back, I think, on the Tuesday. And we had to fly really early. It was like five o'clock in the morning and we were like an hour's drive away from where the airport was. And you have to get there early. So it was the early hours of the morning. We got picked up, taken to the airport. And we're standing and we arrive at the airport. It's not a massive airport. I think they've only got just the one in Reykjavik. And we walked in through the front door and there was this 
enormous queue, like enormous. And you're thinking it's 5 a.m. on a Tuesday, like there can't even be this many people in Iceland, let alone in this queue. It was just, it went on forever. Now, I didn't know Pastor Kevin as well as maybe I know him now, and I now realize that I doubt there is a queue that Pastor Kevin has seen that he hasn't thought about skipping. Uh, and so he, we, we get into this queue, we've got all of our luggage, and we're standing there, and oh man, is that the front all the way there? And Pastor Kevin gets that glint in his eyes, and he's like, I'm going to go and find a shortcut. And, and, and Cheryl's like, no, 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 just, just everybody's queuing, just there, there aren't any shortcuts. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to find a shortcut. <laughs> so it's like sort of scouting about the airport. Here he is, just like, just trying to find a little shortcut, trying to find somewhere he can get in. And, and see, there's this queue of people. And the queue of people are all like, who's this guy? Who does he think he is? There's a queue to be respected here. I think he's trying to find a shortcut. That man is a head case. Anyway, so after a while, Pastor Kevin, he sees one of these like ticket machines. Now, some of this stuff might seem a little sort of, uh, it might seem silly because we take it all for granted now. But this is before we took it for granted. Uh, the internet was still just a good idea. And uh, so he finds this ticket machine. And so there he is. He's, everyone's looking at him. And me and Laura and Cheryl are standing oh, this is this is getting bad. This is, he's going he's gonna to have to walk back to the queue. It's just going to be so embarrassing. I feel bad for him already. And it's like, what is he, what is he typing? Does he even know how to type? Is, it, is, is he playing chopsticks? <laughs> and, and then he comes back over. And we're like, oh, this is going to be awful. We've got like another three hours in this queue. And all the people in front of us are going to be thinking, check that guy. He, he fought the queue, but the queue won. And uh, he comes over and he's like, grab your luggage, guys. We're going to baggage drop-off. And so we, we all went to baggage drop-off, and we walked past all these people in the queue, and could see why he's turning to husband going, why didn't you do that? And, uh, <laughs> and we make our way, and, and we're all like, yeah, check us out. And we went and got a coffee, and we chilled out, because the thing is that a queue at an airport is a low threshold, because you cannot meet a more disunified group of people than people traveling on planes, because the reality is this. If you get home and nobody else does, that's still chalked up as a victory, right? (laughs) Like, you don't really care if everybody else... You need to get home. You have priority for yourself and yourself alone. And so the reality is this is, hey, if I look stupid in front of these people, they are literally going to the corners of the earth. I couldn't care less. That is a low threshold. But here's a higher threshold. When... when, I was in my sort of early 20s, and uh, we went, me and Laura went to this church in Dundee. We, uh, we were part of sort of the uh, youth, well, young adults group, and we helped sort of support and lead youth. And during the summers, we would have these long sort of uh, summer programs just to sort of bring the young youth in and, and just give them something to do and something to aim for and just a place where you can sort of build into their lives. And at the end of the summer, we were like, we should, we should do like a big sort of get together. We should do what we call the catch where we, everybody kind of invites their friends and we'll have like a big sort of outreach to the youth and their friends and stuff like that. And it was like, it had been like week six of the holidays. And so by week six of the holidays, like your teenagers have, they're bored with the Xbox all the footballs have been kicked into the neighbor's garden and they're just, they're just sort of 
roaming around with all their friends around the streets of Dundee and they're just like nothing better to do really and so here they are just sort of like finding their way around and we're like we're gonna we're gonna try and shepherd these guys we're like come by come by come by we're trying to get all these shepherd them into the church and we got like a whole bunch of them in we got loads it was so many more than them of the were of us and they came into the church we fed them hot dogs we fed them burgers and then we'd say oh yeah come along we're gonna have great music it was worship and uh, <laughs> brought them in and they're all kind of Tell it was funny because they were all kind of overcompensating their coolness because they all realized they were in church. So they all had to kind of like front a little bit so that they didn't seem like uncool. I was like, oh, check this place out. Hey, yeah, F this place, you know, man. Do you want to get drunk after this? Yeah, yeah. Totally overcompensating. And uh, so we brought them in and played some worship. And then uh, our young adults pastor got up and he preached a message. And, and it, w- it was a great message. I, I don't remember it. And... Uh, at the end of it, he must have chosen, and I suspect this was completely by accident, but he just chose a particular combination of words that had a very unexpected effect. He just did, a, did his message, and then he said, you know, we're going to pray a prayer, a prayer for salvation. Everybody pray along, and everybody prayed along. And at the end of it, he said, look, if you haven't prayed that prayer before, put your hand in the air. Now, that's shorthand. We all know that's shorthand for... If you've not prayed that prayer before, but you mean it, and you want to have a relationship with God and accept him into your life, then put your hand in the air. But he just said, if you've not prayed that prayer before, put your hand in the air. So there are clearly some people on the front row who are like, uh, well, I literally haven't prayed this prayer before. So they put their hands up. And then the people who were sitting behind them must have gone, oh, man, they've put their hands up. I must have understood the question. I better put my hand up as well. And the people behind them are going, I wasn't even paying attention. But everybody's put their hand up, so I better put my hand up. We're all standing at the back going, check this out, it's revival. It was amazing. So the young elders pastor is like, come on, uh, if you've uh, put your hand up, then you know, we've got a room at the back where we can pray for you and give you a Bible and just tell you about your decision. So all these youth go down and we're all like, wow, this is amazing. This is way bigger than we expected it to be. It's like a hundred youth went down and some of the people who've been praying for them came back up and we're like, wow, that was amazing. They go, yeah. Most of them didn't realize what they'd agreed to. <laughs> Most of them just sort of, anyone who did was basically, well, I hadn't prayed the prayer before, so I, I thought I was supposed to put my hand up. There was this high pressure to conform. There was this high threshold whereby, well, one person does it and everybody thinks, well, we should all do it. That's a high threshold to conform that is where your decision is basically that where it goes with the group it goes with what everybody else is doing and brave choices are not hampered by flaws in our belief system rather it's the tension of drawing away from social norms that's that's what the real obstacle is when it comes to making brave choices. Do not be conformed to the world, Romans 12. Do not be conformed to the world. Have you noticed, like when you're in church, when you come in on a Sunday and we sing our songs and we are affirmed and we are encouraged and and that, that mandate that we all stand under, that mantle that sits upon us is reinforced and we come out of this place and we're like, bam, we're gonna take the world. Feel on fire. It's like Union Street. Here we come after Pizza Express. And uh, we're all amped up. We're all ready. And we go. And then, then Monday morning rolls around. And we're, we're getting in there. And then, and then the cloud of witnesses, that great cloud of witnesses that encourages us. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little more distant. 
It's a little more muted, and we find ourselves conforming once more. We conform once more because the threshold is there and the appetite to go the extra mile is just, it's not there anymore. Have you, have you noticed that? Have you noticed how we change in ourselves? So if it's, if it's the threshold of social pressure that compromises our decisions, not deficiencies in, in what we believe, how do we harness that dynamic? I don't want to talk about how do we go around it, how do we circumvent it, how do we go through it? How do we take that and make it work? How has God equipped us to make that work for his, his kingdom? If you join me in 2 Chronicles 9 verse 3. When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon, as well as the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, the cupbearers in their robes, and the burnt offerings he made, or the ascent by which he went up to the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed. What that is, that's a tremendous example of how God empowers us to create our world according to his design. Yeah, so to, yeah. take, to take his design and make it manifest. Make it something that, that is built according to God's wisdom. And it establishes this, this atmosphere. An atmosphere where people are covered. And they are able to flourish. They are, they're, they're, there's wise living. Is, is, is living with, 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 with fruitfulness. With purpose that is strong. And it leads those around us. It leads those around us. And it blesses them. They are blessed by our words and they are blessed by our care. That is, that is what the design of God, that is what God has created. Our extra mile, our extra mile creates a slipstream. A slipstream where others can fall in behind. As we plow on, it brings other peoples on. Because going that extra mile is, it is having the confidence to set a new threshold. It is setting a new threshold rather than being conformed by the old. Being conformed. So where where do the origins of that confidence rest? The confidence to, to, to go the extra mile. The confidence to set a new threshold in spite of the social norms. If we continue in Chronicles 9 and we jump to verse 7. Happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God, because your God has loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore, he made you king over them to do justice and righteousness. See, living in in right standing in close proximity to God, it is, it leads us into wisdom. Yeah. It's that proximity. Like, like it says, it's his servants, his men, they stood close by. They were in close proximity and they got the wisdom. It was just being nearby. And it is something that is self-perpetuating because wisdom, it draws you in and it prioritizes God's presence. Yeah. It prioritizes it. If you think of Jesus... When Jesus needed to make strong choices, brave choices, 
he retreated from the crowd. He retreated from his followers. In, in Luke 5 verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to him. And he healed uh, to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. As the crowd swelled. His resource, his, his gravity, it never, it never changed because, because his social acceptance orbited around one relationship above all other relationships. He needed that place of solitude, that place of where he could be isolated from everything else, even as the crowds grew, even as they swelled, even as his fame rose, he retreated to have that place alone with God. I, I, I used to do it a lot more, but uh, I used to go hill walking. And uh, there are just these moments when you're on your own and you might find yourself in a little valley or, or just kind of trudging up a little path somewhere. And you just recognize you're completely on your own. And you look around and you marvel at the beauty of it. And, and, and there are just these, I have pictures of them in my head of just these moments. These, just you feel... Like you're in that place of solitude and you believe that God could just speak anything into your life in those moments. It's just, there's something so precious about that. I remember a, a guy that I, uh, I grew up with who was uh, a few years older than me and was just such a, uh, a tremendous influence in my life when I was growing up. And, and he said when he used to go hill walking on his own, there was this one time where uh, he was hacking up a path somewhere and it was time for lunch and he sat down on a rock and he pulled out his lunchbox and he'd, he'd kind of really taken the effort on this. He'd gone a little bit over the top on his packed lunchbox. He'd cut the crusts off his sandwiches, put them in cling film and he'd fitted everything in the box like it was a game of Tetris. And uh, he just sat down there, he looked at it and he just, in that moment, just got this tremendous sense of God just being like, oh, you are precious, son. You are precious. Like, like, like a father would say to a son just to like really just reassure them, just let them know that Man, you mean the world to me. You are, you are so precious. Look at the, all this effort you've done just to, just to go for a walk. That's, that's really precious. And you know what? You, you cannot get those moments. It's impossible to get those moments in the crowd. You just can't. Those, those moments, those affirmations are reserved for the place of solitude. Amen? They have only come when we set aside the time to deepen that relationship, to seek God and hear his voice. If we want to encounter God, we have to remove ourselves from the world. In Psalms 40 verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. See, here's the, here's the crux of the matter. Here's the difference between believing in God and having faith in him. Do you trust him? Do you, do you trust him? Do we trust him? Trust is, trust is built upon the foundation of a relationship. Yeah. That's, that's what trust is. It's, it's, I know you. I know that you will never let me down. I know that you will only ever build me up. I know that if you sent me this way, there has to be a purpose. That's the difference between just believing and having faith. Do you know him? Have you, have you made that space in your life, that, that, the, the forest of busyness that surrounds us? Have we, have we cleared those trees? Have we cleared enough space that we can have communion with God? 
that we can have relationship with God. That is what makes bold choices, brave decisions possible. Because trust is drawn from shared experiences and intimate interactions. When I was uh, 17, I left home and moved to Glasgow to go to uni. And at the time, I've mentioned it a few times, I was, I was pretty compromised in my faith. But my mum, who was very diligent and very wise, just said, look, just find a church. Just find a church, go to the church, and the rest of that stuff will, will get worked out. Just find a church. And so, even though I didn't feel particularly sort of motivated to, I, I went and found a church. I don't really know, I can't remember how I found this church, because it was like 2000, and even if, churches had websites I certainly didn't know how to find them uh, so maybe someone told me about it or or I got given a flyer or I don't know but I I found this church and I, and I got up one morning and I and I walked to the church and I was, got to the address and sort of standing there and it it just didn't look like a church it didn't look open I was pretty sure I was at the right address but I, I didn't know if I was supposed to go in I thought I was at the right time but I didn't know if I was and I I stood outside there, and I, I, in honesty, I was probably a little bit hungover. And uh, I stood there, and I was really wrestling with, I don't really want to open the door, because what if I wasn't supposed to walk in? It'd be really awkward, and I'd look really stupid, and I wasn't even 100% sure if I wanted to be there or not. So I'm standing outside trying to sort of convince myself that I, I, I tried hard enough today, and I could, mm. until, as I'm standing out there, I hear this familiar noise. I hear this sound that I recognize, a sound that I know means that I'm welcome in. I, I began to hear song of worship. I heard inside the, the people, the, the congregation, the chorus just rise up and sing a song of worship. And, and in that moment, I just knew that his presence was inside. I knew that, that I could walk in that place and I would be welcome. And, and in that moment, that, that reassuring sound, I was able to take that wisdom, push aside my insecurities, and step into the place that God had for me. I was able to make a bold decision. Why? Because I recognized the presence of God. I recognized that I could join that chorus. I could sing that song. I could be in the place of praise and thanksgiving. And that's where I wanted to be, despite my compromise, despite my flawed beliefs. I knew that was how I would cross the threshold. See, it's recognition of the Father's voice. It's, it's familiarity is what provokes that assurance. It's that recall, that recall that, that triggers the confidence to make bold decisions. When you hear it, you recall, oh, I know that sound. I know that voice. I know what he means by that. I know that he is encouraging me to step into the unknown, to step past my insecurities, to break the barriers of social norms, to disregard the wisdom of the world, the social acceptance, to place that on the periphery. I have been called into his house. I have been called into wisdom. I have been called into brave choices. And it's that recall that that bridges the gap between well intentions 
and the conviction to press ahead, to press into the fullness of God. And it's our relationship with God that sustains us over the course, that reinforces our commitment. Amen? Amen. Can I get someone on keys, please? I don't want to. I don't want to put across that it. it we all know that it, it takes bravery to to step out of the shadow of conformity, right? It takes bravery. In Daniel eleven verse thirty-two. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery, strong, and carry out great exploits. Greatness of our exploits is directly proportional to our relationship with God. As we reserve that time, as we deepen our relationship with Him, it it helps us to harvest the boldness we need for great exploits, to carry out those great exploits in His name. When we make brave decisions, when we make bold choices, do you know what it does? It enables the next one. And it enables the one after that. And it enables the one after that. That is your extra mile right there. Because you have extra miles that roll over and over and over. Because we don't just stop at one extra mile. The extra mile is a combination, is an accumulation of all of the brave choices. Which is a representation of the deepness of our relationship of the depth of that intimacy of the time that we have set aside as we've cleared our schedule to allow God to speak into our lives that when we need to we recall that's his voice I recognize his voice we set the threshold when that happens why don't you stand with me Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.